I want to go back and do a little bit of recap before we get into the sermon because it all fits together. But if you were here a few weeks ago, Pastor G explained uh, why it's imperative to move beyond Sunday morning, why it's so important for us to live in community, to live in, beyond that, to have that connection group. And he began to talk about the, the power of C groups. And what he basically showed us through the scriptures is that we are actually a family. You know, sometimes in scriptures, there are things that are, that are allegories. They're, 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 they're just meant to give us a, a picture. But in this case, we actually become a family. We become brothers and sisters adopted into the family of Christ. And we are called to be a family on mission, right? And if you remember two weeks ago, uh, and I'm going to show you the list, but G talked about these ingredients for a healthy family. And what I want you to hear is that having a healthy family doesn't happen by accident, right? A healthy church, a healthy church family, a healthy home family, healthy communities, it just, it doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentionality. And that's because we all bring our idiosyncrasies, we bring our stories, we bring our wounding, we bring our, our family of origin stuff, all of that to the table. And then we have to figure out how to live by grace amongst one another, how to relate to one another, how to function in a way that we are encouraging and building each other up. So health within your family, if you're just waiting for it to happen, it just isn't going to happen. It takes intentionality. And so uh, what we've been seeing over these last several weeks are these things that First Peter calls household codes, right? They're what we call out of First Peter household codes. And these are really just codes of conduct, ways in which we are to interact with one another so that the health of the family grows, right? So these household codes, we're going to see more of them today, are ways in which we come together. Pastor G pointed out, that Peter is calling us to come together to be on mission, right? And at Grace, the primary place that we will do that is in C groups. C groups are the primary avenue by which you are going to connect and begin to live out your calling on mission. C groups are groups of eight to 14 people. Uh, these groups are uh, young, old, black, white, rich, poor. They come together meeting in homes in a lot of cases, but in a lot of cases, they meet here at the church. We have nine different, uh, what we call living rooms that set up throughout the church where groups can meet. So some of the groups will meet here, some of the groups meet in the home. And, and, and what we want to do is create this place where you can go deeper with God and go deeper with one another. It's where we practice the household codes that are in First Peter. It's where we live out all those one another commands of scriptures, okay? So, uh, two weeks ago, I want to just walk through this because it'll fit together. You'll see why when we get to the end. Uh, G talked about the emotional ingredients for a healthy family, emotional ingredients for a healthy C group, emotional ingredients for a healthy church is what he was talking about. And the first thing he talked about was unity of mind. This all came out of chapter three, unity of mind. Remember, he talked about it's not that we're all saying the same thing or all, we're all singing the same notes. He talked about the idea of harmony. It's when our different notes come together. It's when our, our different ways of living come together and they blend and they make this beautiful picture. It's probably uh, a great description of the mosaic, right? A bunch of broken pieces that come together to make one beautiful piece of art, this unity of mind. And then the second thing he said we needed was sympathy or compassion, being broken for, with someone. When someone is hurting, we're hurting with them. That we are to have brotherly love. This is the word Philadelphia. It's that family commitment. Remember, G talked about the fact that you can say, I can say something bad about my brother, but don't you ever say anything bad about my brother? Remember, that's brotherly love. When we got each other's back, when we're watching out for each other, that's the, the picture that 
Peter is painting for us. The third one was tender-hearted. Jude pointed out that this was uh, in the Greek, good intestines, that you're good on the inside, that you have good feelings towards one another, that you are in a good place and you're your encouragement and your kind words towards one another. And then the last one was that you have a humble mind, exemplified by a culture of of honor and and that we really know who we are and and where we've come from and, and we know our own story and it allows us to have a place of understanding and empathy with others. I had a conversation with Meg this week uh, and I was not having a humble mind and I was being very critical of someone and kind of, uh, I would say, using some disparaging words about that person and Meg very appropriately pointed out and just said, you know, maybe you need to remember where you were when you were their age. Right? Maybe if you realize how far God has brought you, you'd be less critical of somebody. And God can do amazing things. God changes people. So that's the, that's the humble mind. And it was a good encouragement for Meg for me to remember. I need to step back and I remember where I've come from, what God has done in my own life. And that allows me to be empathetic and to journey with people who maybe haven't quite had the experiences that I've had along the way. Okay, so what I want to do uh, today before we get through this, you know, this list is I want to help you to see that as we get into chapter four, there's another list. And these two lists actually come together. They work together to really paint a, a beautiful portrait of what it looks like to have a healthy family dynamic. Here's the deal. This, everything we're going to talk about, it applies to C groups, which we're going to make a big deal about here over the next month, but it also applies to just the church in general, and it applies to your home. So there's wonderful opportunity for you just to make application as you hear these words and you look at the, these words. But C groups for grace is where the rubber meets the road. C groups is where we're going to learn to live as a family on mission. And so we are uh, throwing it all in, and we are in this process of launching a dynamic C group ministry here at Grace because we think it's paramount. So here's the deal in the month of August, uh, I am going to have people on the stage. Uh, every single Sunday, and we are going to interview them, and they're going to share how God has stirred in their hearts to launch a C group. The goal is to launch 30 C groups in the 30 days of September. If you're an ESPN fan, that's 30 for 30, right? That's our own version of 30 for 30. 30 C groups in the month of September, and then 50 new C groups by the end of May. So that's the goal. We're already uh, at about 22 uh, groups that have said that they're willing to, to jump in and do it. And I want you to hear from some of those groups. I want you to just hear. And, and here's what I want you to, to, to pay attention to is, is there, are, there is a group for everybody. I am confident of that. There is every single person in this room, there is a group that will fit your needs. So if you listen today and you think to yourself, man, that group sounds great for me, good. Meet them back there at the community corner and talk to them about being in a group. But if it's not quite yet the group, hang out. Every week you're going to hear from a couple more groups and, and you're going to hear a group that's going to uh, be the one that you've been thinking of. So right now what I want you to do is welcome Anna and John and uh, Julie and Bri- Brianna up to the stage and we're going to hear a little bit about their group. So come on up. And we have a special guest. Four weeks? Six weeks. Time flies. Oh, yeah. Very tall now. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Come on in. Sit down. 
So again, the idea here is uh, they are launching two C groups. Uh, these groups will launch in the fall, in September, and I want you to just hear uh, what they have envisioned for their particular group. Uh, after they're done, they're gonna be at the community corner. Anybody that's wearing these tags are part of the leadership team. You can grab them and talk to them about C groups. But before we jump into what your C group is, uh, I'm gonna let John talk about, he did this last night, so I'll, I won't have that awkward silence of, I don't know who's supposed to answer this question, but John's just gonna talk about how C groups or small groups have impacted him in the past. Good morning. So, morning, buddy. Did you hear that? I think somebody said, good morning, buddy. Oh, good morning, buddy. <laughs> We've been in a couple C groups and one in, or small groups at the time they were called, and one in particular, I just, um, it probably took maybe a couple of meetings until the, that outer peel of protective layer came sure. off, and that seemed with this particular group to happen kind of quickly. Yeah. And what helped with that is that we went pretty quickly into a deep relationship with one another. And uh, pretty sure that was because that's what God wanted to do. And it was a longer term group. And as uh, time went on, uh, there's some serious stuff that happened in our life. And it was the small group that really, it was, it was impossible to deny that it was that group and those relationships that really held us up and, and really helped us work together uh, individually and, and through the group and with God to get through a, a very tough time Difficult season. Yeah. Yeah, I remember some of uh, the words that you used during that season about just talking to Anna, just, you know, that you experienced family kind of in a, you can hold the mic, in a new way and grace in a new way. You want to talk about that just a little bit? Um, well, at, here, Brian, close to the mouth. Um, so at that time, we were just going through, um, John and I going through a lot of hard stuff in our marriage and our, our small group, really um, at a time where I probably should have not trusted people. I trusted people so much, and I really felt the love of God. It was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. I mean, this group, it really showed God's love. I mean, it, it shows what the body of Christ is all about yeah. at the end of the day. And it's something that happened because of the group connection that probably wouldn't have happened if you'd have just been here on the weekends. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I was a known. hot mess. And um, they, I'm just keeping it real. And uh, our group, I mean, they were, they, biblical truths, um, showing love to us and our family. And yeah, it, was it, it was just an amazing Amazing experience. All right, so that's the endorsement for why this is necessary. Uh, Julian, I'm gonna give you the mic yes. and just have you share uh, what you envision for your group, and then um, Brianna maybe can share a little bit about when and where your group's gonna meet. Okay. I will be reading from notes so I don't ramble on. Um, our C group's purpose is to come together as the body of Christ and learn how to love this world like Jesus. We have four fundamentals that we're going to explore throughout the C group to help us learn how to do this. And they are, one, to learn who our God is. Two, to know who we are in him, our identity. Three, to learn, to learn about our enemy and his deceptive ways. And four, letting our faith and action meet, putting into practice the words, promises, and revelations from Jesus. Awesome. We're going to put you to the test here. So that last 
fundamental is basically um, where we're going to go out and step out on faith. We're going to go into the community and pray for people, um, fully led by the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be a huge thing is just being led by the Holy Spirit and feeling that intimacy as a family together. <laughs> He's usually very good. He's good. He did he not sleep last night. So... Um, it's very nerve-wracking being on stage. Yeah, Cut him yeah. some slack. And we're going to meet at... It's okay. We're going to meet at our house. It's in Roseville, so it's only about 10 minutes away. And we announced Tuesday yesterday, but I'm thinking that we're leaning more towards Thursday. Okay. Um, so you're going to meet on a weeknight at yeah. 7 o'clock? Is that what? 7 o'clock, yeah. Right. And so if you didn't catch it, one of the values of their group, and again, we're letting each of the secret leaders really just dream what they want their groups to be, is they're going to go out. They may decide as a group together, hey, let's go to the Macomb Mall today, and let's just see if God opens doors for us to pray over people, to pray with people, if God gives us prophetic words for people, all of that. So I think it'll be a wonderful uh, time to study, but also to get out and to uh, enjoy. Do you want to say? Oh, it's our, we live in Roseville, and um, it will be at our home. Okay. So you're going to describe the group or you're going to describe the group? Okay, thank See ya. <laughs> so our group, uh, we live in Mount Clemens. We'll be meeting at our home, about 25-minute drive from here. Uh, we, will, we have three kids. They will be there. So your kids are welcome to come with or you can leave them at wherever you want to leave them. But... Uh, <laughs> Kids are kids are encouraged. Preferably leave them with somebody. Yeah, when it's when it's nice when it's nice outside, our backyard is set up for kids. When it's not, our basement set up for kids, as well as a few other areas in the house seem to be all for kids. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to have kids to be in our group. We're open to any age, uh, married, single, divorced, whatever. Uh, we're kind of easy, kind of easy going. You know, sometimes we get worked up, but. Our group's going to be easygoing, and uh, our, our heart that's similar, I think, is that we're both really sensitive, uh, especially to people who are either, you know, I was kind of trying to think, how do you describe this? People that are either maybe former troublemakers or have been in a lot of trouble, right. um, or are still, <laughs> there's a lot of you guys, huh? Apparently, this is going to be a big group. <laughs> yeah. So we also have a real heart for, you know, um, uh, kids, you know, kids in tough situations, grown-ups in tough situations, mental illness, addiction, whatever it might be. That just seems to, those seem to be our people. So that's great. All right. He did say that. I don't think he said what night you're meeting. We don't know. We'll tell him that. We don't know at night we're meeting. Maybe we're thinking Sunday. maybe Sunday, but we'll... Oh, in our group, too, we're going to um, dig into the sermon and also probably do some book studies, too. Okay. Great. Thank you. You're dismissed. Thank them. So, again... The idea here is uh, every week we're going to do this. We would love for you to go to the community corner. If you saw it when you came in, we just put some new screens up there, new graphics up there. Uh, anybody that's wearing these can help you to navigate how to get into a group. You may be thinking, uh, man, I want to I lead a C group. I know exactly what I'd like my group to be. God's really given me a vision for a C group. Just go back there. There's some cards there you can fill out. I actually have some meetings happening next week. Welcome to come to those meetings. We just want to get this thing up and running, okay? All right, so grab your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. 
Uh, my encouragement to you is bring your Bibles every weekend. Uh, bring something to take notes on. If you write in your Bible, that's cool too, but just something that you can make some notes. I just want to encourage you to, uh, if you feel the nudge, to feel free to uh, post on social media, let people know what God is doing in here. Love for the people out there to see that God is moving uh, in this place. We are going to spend most of our energy focusing on verses 7 through 11, but I want to highlight a little bit of what's going on uh, in those opening six verses of chapter 4. Peter is is highlighting this incredible opportunity that's ours when we go through a difficult season. Now, that may seem counterintuitive that difficult seasons are actually opportunities, but that's indeed what Peter is saying. When we suffer, when we go through a difficult season, there's two things that are, that are naturally a part of it. One is God uses those seasons to shape our character, to grow us. But the other part of it is we have this incredible opportunity in difficult seasons to live it out in such a way that others see God in us. It's an opportunity to bring glory to God. So in Peter, when we see the words that we are always to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have, right? Give a reason or an answer for the hope that we have. If you think about that particular passage, if we can throw it up on the screen, that would be great. Um, No one is going to come to you and ask you, why do you have hope when you're in the middle of all kinds of good things going on, right? You just got a a promotion and, and, you know, your kids are all doing great and life is peachy. Well, no one comes up to you and says, why are you so hopeful? That's pretty obvious. It's when you are struggling, when you're in the middle of a difficult season and people still see a a level of hope and joy in you, then they're going to say, what's the deal? What's the reason that you still have hope when it seems like you should be hopeless, right? So so just implied in this is that we have an opportunity to, to represent Christ when we go through difficult seasons. So it's about our growth and it's about our witness, okay? So there's this, this theme of, of having an impact that's, that's throughout the entire book of 1 Peter. So when we get to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he says these words. He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. We're going to stop right there for just a minute. And I want you to think about just this theme of Christ's suffering in this passage. Because if you read it, you probably immediately think about the cross. Since, therefore, Christ suffered, you know, we, we, when we think of Christ suffering, our first thought is usually to the crucifixion, right? To, to all of the humiliation and the rejection and the physical pain that Jesus went through. But the truth of the matter is the incarnation, you know what the incarnation is, right? That's Jesus leaving heaven and, and coming to be a man. It's kind of laid out in Philippians that being in very nature God, didn't see equality with God, something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the form of man, fully God and fully man. Well, that fully man means that he experienced what we experienced. So here's what I want you to just let your imagination get to is I believe that Jesus probably stubbed his toe and it hurt. Like I believe Jesus probably fell. He probably didn't get to the age of walking and just pop up and start walking. He probably fell and skinned his knees. He skinned his elbows. He, he had to, to walk through life and to feel what we feel. The passage in, in Hebrews actually says, Hebrews 4, that we have this great high priest in Jesus who can empathize with all of our struggles. Well, if he didn't ever trip, fall, have struggles, then he wouldn't be able to empathize with all of our struggles. He was human. Now, 
you can have some fun as you think about it. I don't know if he stubbed his toe and then healed himself. I don't know how that all worked. But the truth of the matter is he felt pain. We know he felt pain because we see it in the crucifixion. And we know that he experienced rejection and heartache. And we know that he cried for other people's uh, tears. You know, when other people were hurting, that he was hurting. So there is this picture that Jesus suffered. And yet when Jesus suffered, he didn't sin. He still had his eyes on his father and he still brought glory to God by the way he suffered. And so the passage is saying, you need to have the same attitude. You have to have the same mindset of Jesus that you can navigate through suffering and that suffering can be used in your life to grow you and it can be used to be a witness for other people. You need to have the same mindset. You need to think like Jesus. Suffering opens up opportunities. So I'm going to share a couple of stories just to show you exactly what I mean, help to bring this home. I have a super close friend, uh, and he is in the middle of a relational nightmare right now. Um, And he sat in my office uh, about a week and a half or two weeks ago, and he said to me, uh, the first thing I'm learning is that my faith is stronger than I thought it would. I, I, I never thought that I could navigate through something this traumatic and be this strong in my faith. God is showing me that he's enough and my faith is strong. So he's learning something about his faith. But then he said, uh, but I'm also seeing how much it must hurt God when I am unfaithful to him. Right? He's being hurt in a relationship and he's saying, I'm learning that that I'm no different, that I've rejected God. There's a a humility of of his mindset right there that he's he's allowing it to teach him and to to grow him. He's living into this truth, if you will. He's he's taking on the mindset of Christ. And my friend is showing his kids Jesus in the midst of this incredible difficulty. A few weeks ago, I told you about another friend of mine, a a woman who's married to a a guy who's um, not a believer, I would say very hostile to Christianity. He wants nothing to do with the church. Um, and, and I talked about how that relationship has shaped her and really made her a spiritual giant. She's armed herself with the same way of thinking as Jesus. And it really has grown her into this incredible woman that has had a, an incredible impact on me and on, on hundreds and hundreds of other people. Right? It's this major thread of, that runs through First Peter. If we live out the household codes, we're going to have an impact on those around you. But what I didn't say when I talked about this person a few weeks ago Um, is that she has uh, kids, and all of her kids are walking with Jesus. And all of her kids have married spouses who are walking with Jesus. And all of her kids are doing their best to raise grandkids who are walking with Jesus. And that's a powerful testimony of living out her faith in a difficult situation in such a way that her kids have chosen to walk out their faith with Christ. That's the picture we want. Suffering, if we allow it to, don't miss this, suffering, if we allow it to, produces the character that we need to carry the ministry that God has entrusted to us. I want to say that again because this is powerful. Suffering, if we allow it to, produces the character that we need to carry the ministry that God has entrusted to us. So God is up to something in your difficult season. Grace, what's our mission? Our mission is 
Oh, you, who wanted to get that out first? You want to be the very first one to say it. We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. And to live like Jesus means we want to be like Jesus, right? And one of the ways uh, that we are more like other people, if you think about your human relationships, is when you start to have common experiences, when you experience the same things, it helps you to be more like that person. So, so it is with Jesus. That Jesus suffered, so we suffer, because then we can become more like Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for other people. And so we're called to lay down our lives for for other people. Jesus uh, left the comforts and privileges of of heaven to be with us, uh, that thing called the incarnation, right? And we're called to do the same. We're called to give up some of our comforts in order to be a comfort to others. And the more we do the things that Jesus did, the more we begin to live like him, then we begin to become like Jesus in many ways. That's what this passage is talking about. Okay, back to verse seven in chapter four, and we'll get to the the part that I want to unpack here. So I'm going to read verse seven through 11. First Peter chapter four, verses seven through 11. Peter writes these words. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another. I love that. Above all, pretty important, right? Like this is, this is the top command here. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Verse nine, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever Amen? So this verse, it becomes another list, if you will, like the list that G gave us of of foundations for a healthy church, foundations for a healthy family, foundations that you need to have a healthy C group. It lays out for you, in this case, what you are to be doing. These are almost all, or these are all doing sort of words. So physical, I call these physical ingredients for health. And the first one is prayer, right? So verse seven says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. These opening words, the end of all things is at at hand. This is pretty interesting. Again, if you just stop to think about it, you can ask yourself the question, is Peter writing that he is living in the end times, that Jesus is going to return at any moment, that that, that any second now, uh, this life as we know it is, is done and the second coming of Christ has come. That's, that's one way you could interpret that. Or he could be saying, or you could ask, is, is he writing, look, your life is short. Life is but a vapor, right? You're all gonna stand before God someday and give account, right? And so, so which of those is he saying? And the answer is both. And it doesn't really matter because it applies in either case. But what we do know is all of the New Testament writers wrote with an anticipation that God would return, that Jesus would return at any moment. And they wrote that way because they were taught to live their lives that way. Jesus said, always live with the expectation that Jesus, that I'm coming back at any minute, keep oil in your lamp, all of those, there's parables about it and there's teaching about it, that we are always to live with this expectancy that Jesus could return at any minute. And the truth of, if you have this readiness in mind and this, that the end is at hand, it will affect all of your behaviors. Right? It will cause you, as the passage says, to be more self-controlled. 
right? So it's 11.10 right now. And if I were to tell you, uh, hey, Jesus is coming back at three o'clock, it would probably make a difference what you're going to do at two o'clock, especially if what you were going to do at two o'clock was a little bit sketchy, <laughs> right? You might be thinking, I don't think I want to be doing that. If he's coming back at three, uh, right? I mean, it would change what we do. But think about this. Think about how much it would change your prayers, Right? If you really believe Jesus was coming back at 5 o'clock tonight, chances are when you leave this room, you're going to make some phone calls or you're going to go visit somebody and you're going to say, hey, Dad, I just, I just want to talk to you about Jesus. Right? This, this might be our last chance. I just want to share with you what I've learned about Jesus. Right? We would have much more of an aggressiveness, for the lack of a better word, of, of sharing the gospel with the people we love if we really believe Jesus is coming back. So what he's saying is live with this mindset that, it, that it's imminent because it will affect your prayers. You're not going to pray for a bigger car or a nicer house or whatever those things are if, if you really believe God's coming back in the next few minutes because those aren't going to really matter. But you are going to be very passionate about the people around you. So a question that I just want to put in front of you, and maybe this is all you wrestle with for the rest of the day, is what would you do differently this afternoon if you knew Jesus was coming back tonight? And then in the words of the great theologian Nike, my encouragement to you is then do it. Just do it, <laughs> right? Okay, physical ingredients for health. The first is prayer, and let your prayers be motivated by this anticipation that the end is near. Because Fact, fact of the matter is, it is near. In, this, in the scheme of life, we're all going to die, and it's going to be sooner than we think. And I'm not trying to be morbid. It's just the reality, right? No, nobody's going to live forever. Physical ingredients for health. The first is prayer. The second is love. Now, in the list that G gave us, the word was Philadelphia. But in this list, the word is agape. It says, above all, keep loving agape one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sin. And the word agape has nothing to do with feeling. Nothing. And we don't really have an understanding of that because we don't really use the word love unless there's an element of feeling. But it's really about motion. It's about moving towards somebody. It's about serving somebody. It's about giving of yourself for somebody. Even if you don't like the person, you can show them agape love. So it's a different word. It's, a, it's an action word. It's a doing word. Peter says, keep doing it. And he says to do it earnestly, right? So something begins to happen when we pray for people with this expectation that the end is near and we serve them regardless of how we feel about them. Something does change in our emotion towards them. We do begin to foster this brotherly love towards them. That's why the scriptures tell us to pray for our enemies because God knows when you pray for somebody, it will soften your heart towards that person. Same is true. If you're putting together a C group and you guys commit to pray for each other regularly, you will have almost an instantaneous bonding with one another that goes beyond words. It will cause you to fall in love with the people in your C group when you are regularly praying for them and praying what God has for them. When we love people, it allows us, the passage says, to overlook their foibles, their idiosyncrasies, their sin, right? It says love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't mean we're covering those so that they're not, you know, this isn't about the gospel. This is about our ability to live with people who are annoying, right? Let's just be real here. We need it. 
because some people are annoying. It allows us to live with people who are making mistakes in their lives instead of writing them off and say, well, you sinned, sorry, you're out. This allows us to navigate with people. So a healthy church, healthy family, healthy, healthy C group has prayer, has this agape love towards one another, and it's a place where we show hospitality. Verse nine, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, not because you have to, but because you want to. So the question I would ask you, have you ever had somebody do something nice for you, but make you feel really crappy because they're doing it? Like, yeah, you can stay at my house, but yeah, whatever. Like, right? When, when we do, it happens, right? You're like, I'm not sure this feels good at all, right? We can show hospitality, but grumble at the same time. And it's not really hospitality. It's just making a person feel like, You've really put them out and, oh, great, you know, now I got to be there. So, so just to be clear here, hospitality is so much more than opening your own. Sometimes we read that word and we just think, oh, I'm a good cook and I can put on a good spread and I love to have people in my house. And that can be and often is because you have a gift of hospitality. But the real test of hospitality is in your heart. Like, are you able to make room in your heart for people? I have a very open door policy uh, here at Grace, and all of my coworkers know they can come talk to me at any time. Probably once or twice a month that I have to shut my door because I just have to have a phone call or, or get something done. The rest of the time, my door is open. But I got to be honest with you, it's not always hospitality. Sometimes people really annoy me because I'm busy. I got something to do, and, and they pick that up, and they know right away. Well, guess what? In that moment, I, my door is open, but my heart is not. I'm not being hospitable. I'm not making room in my life and in my heart for other people. Just so you know, this is not a good thing. I'm not selling it to you like, you know, do what Doug does. I'm telling you this is a bad thing. So there are times when I know I am hospitable and there's times when I know I'm not being hospitable. When I'm not hospitable, somehow I hold the task above people and then they feel put out. So yes, you can sit in my office and talk to you, but I wish you wouldn't, right? That's not hospitality, okay? But, and I think we all get there sometimes, so let's just Anyway, all right, the fourth one here. <laughs> Hospitality, the last one here is in verse 10. It says, each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So I love this because it's all-inclusive. And I think it's purposefully all-inclusive because some of you don't believe this is true of you. Each of you has received a gift. Every person in this room, when you said yes to Jesus, was given spiritual gifts that you are called to use to help the body of Christ. Every one of you has been given a gift, and if you are to steward that, which is to, to take care of it and to do what God has given you to do, you have to use it. There is no better place to use your spiritual gifts than in a C group experience because that's where you can encourage one another. That's if God has given you the gift of hospitality, then open your home and host a C group. Maybe you don't have leadership gifts, but you have hospitality gifts. Say, look, I don't want to lead a C group, but I would love to open my house and just have the group meet there. Then use that gift. Maybe you have the gift of, a, of prophetic words, and what better place than in a, in a living room setting where you can just hear what God is saying to people and, and give words of encouragement to one another. Maybe all of the spiritual gifts are going to be so used in a C group setting. It's a beautiful picture of, of how we can bring this together. But, but the beauty of this is, and it even says here, if you just keep reading in that passage, it says, and then when you use your gifts, understand that God gave it to you and use it with joy, right? He's saying, so if you, if you, if you teach, then teach and use your voice knowing that this is the voice that God has given you. It's a, this beautiful picture of living into the, all of the gifts that God has put together. 
Okay, so what I want to do is I want to step back for a minute and look at 1 Peter kind of from a a 10,000-foot level. And it it would be easy to miss this if I didn't do it this way. But this is G's message from three weeks ago, and this is my message from this week. And these were the ingredients to have health. Now, remember what I said earlier is these are the ingredients to have health in your family, If you're asking the question, how do I raise my kids in a a healthier environment? How do I have a better marriage? How do we have better family dynamics? If we're talking as a a leadership of the church, we're going on a retreat here in a a couple weeks. These would be a great list for us to start with and say, how are we doing with all these? Because this is a picture of health in the church. When you launch your C group, when you guys get started in a C group, this would be a beautiful list for you to think of. But these are all being words. These are all about our emotional state of mind, unity of mind, sympathy. It's how we feel, even brotherly love. Remember, that's having each other's back and being tenderhearted and a humble mind. This is about what's going on inside in our emotional state. And these are all doing words. These are the physical ingredients that we are to actually pray for one another, that we are to show agape love. I love this. We have two different words for love. This is that I got your back and and I I care about you. And this is I'm going to serve you and love you, right? Hospitality, I'm going to open my home. I'm going to open my heart to you. Serving, that I'm going to use my gifts to better the community around me. So you have this beautiful picture of what we're supposed to be and what we're to do. And the fascinating thing is, I don't know which comes first. But I don't don't want to tell you that, well, first you got to get this in order to get this in order. Because what I've discovered is as you begin to pray, it begins to give you brotherly love. But as you begin to show brotherly love, it helps you to have hospitality. They just, they all work together like this beautiful picture of how to live into it. But what a great list for us to challenge ourselves and to ask ourselves, how are we doing as a family? How are we doing as a church? How are we doing as a C group? One of the things that struck me uh, last night as I was teaching through this is, Sometimes when I teach a passage of scripture or look at a section of scripture, I think there is enough in this scripture for the rest of my life. Like if God didn't give me anything else, said, look, Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. You are mine and you're my child. Now, Doug, go live into 1 Peter 3 and 4. Like that's enough. I'm glad there's more because you guys get tired of me preaching in this every single week. But the point is, that's enough. That's enough that ought to challenge you. So what I want to do for the next just minute or two is I just want to give you an opportunity to look at the list and pray through the list. I just want you to ask yourself, where am I doing well? What comes natural for me? What is, what is, just a, what is easy for me? And where do I know that this is good? And, and where am I struggling? And maybe you're like me and too busy and hospitality is a difficult thing that you have to be very intentional about it. And so in that prayer time, just, just ask the spirit of God, how many of you know that God wants to talk to you? How many of you know God wants to talk to you? He does. So let's just ask the spirit, speak to me. Show me in this list where I need to grow, where I need to get better and encourage where I'm doing well. So we're just gonna have a little bit of silence and then I'll wrap things up. Lord, we just thank you that you're good. We thank you that you see each one of us individually, that you particularize us, that you speak to us as individuals. Lord, I pray as we uh, launch these C groups, I pray as we want to have healthy families, as we want to be the church that you've called us to be, that you help us to see this list as not just something that's cool, but something that you actually want us to live into. 
Show us the opportunities where we can get stronger. Thank you for showing me my critical spirit and how it's hard for me to really have a tender heart at many times because I'm too busy being critical. And Pray that you just continue to grow us. Help us to be the people you've called us to be so that we can be the church that you've called us to be. Thank you for First Peter. Thank you for the words that encourage us and inspire us and send us out to be just dynamic followers of you. Thank you that we have an opportunity to represent you, not because of anything we have, but because of everything you've given us. There's a group that prayed for you this morning before the service started, and uh, they just had a strong sense that there's uh, at least one person in the room that just has an overwhelming sense that they're drowning, um, and we just want to pray for you. Whatever that means to you, if you just want to come down after the service, uh, there's somebody in the room that just uh, needs to be encouraged to keep praying. You're getting weary in your prayers, but uh, God hears you. And uh, if that's you and that resonates, again, we just want to encourage you to come down. Uh, And the words that we heard was uh, that you need to be brave, you need to have hope. So if you have a spiritual need, physical need, any need at all, and you'd like prayer, we just want to encourage you to come down. Uh, and be received by the prayer team. God bless you. You have a great Sunday afternoon. Your love is like radiant diamonds.